Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. In my prior episode, I highlighted the scientific field of sexology, and I described why I believe that sexology is relevant to everyone who's striving to live a fulfilling life. I noted that sexual misinformation is widespread, and that it damages society. In this episode, I'd like to take that theme a bit further, by focusing on a topic that is especially misunderstood by many, the human sexual response cycle. In one of the early episodes of my Two Open Doors podcast, specifically episode 2-1 titled The Sexual Response Cycle, I took my audience on a tour of how we humans process a sexual experience. I've studied that process in depth. It was the topic of my 2015 PhD dissertation. Doing that review gave me an opportunity to put a number of important but widely misunderstood concepts in context. Ideas such as arousal, desire, orgasm, and resolution. I chose that topic for my dissertation precisely because it is the ideal showcase for the many factors that come together in a human sexual experience. Our culture, including the medical and psychological professions, tend to view sex mainly through the lens of its physical manifestations. That's a heritage from the early medical studies of sex. These days, though, there's a growing realization that cognitive factors such as beliefs and emotions are primary ingredients in a sexual experience. They don't play only a supporting role to physiology and neurobiology. I'd like to use this podcast as an opportunity to further spread that realization. In their early studies of the Human Sexual Response Cycle, or SRC, William H. Masters and Virginia E. Johnson intentionally bounded their studies to focus only on physiological factors. They did this because those factors were physically observable and measurable, while other contributing factors, such as psychological state, were not. The resulting model of the SRC is fairly mechanistic, progressing sequentially or linearly through stages that range from a sexually neutral state, through growing arousal, and on to eventual resolution or relaxation of the sexual energy. In the time since Masters and Johnson, later sexologists have refined the SRC model to make it far less rigid and deterministic. The resulting flexibility is important, especially in satisfactorily explaining how many women experience sex. Men and women can't really fully enjoy shared sexual experiences without understanding how their perspectives sometimes differ. Thus, the new and broader understanding is a platform for enhancing the mutual enjoyment of sex. In a seminal 2005 research paper, the sexologist Rebecca Basson proposed an SRC model that was based on data gathered from thousands of women. That model is far broader than the Masters and Johnson model, and it showcases the influence of psychological and social or relational factors in influencing sex. Basson's model has been described as cyclical or nonlinear because entry into a sexual experience can occur in several places, and there can be several paths through the cycle. Like Basson, I attribute a central role to mental and emotional factors in sex. That's certainly consistent with what I've experienced in my own life, and it's also consistent with what others have shared with me regarding their own experiences. However, I see the sexual response cycle a bit differently than how Basson describes it. I believe that there is, in fact, a linear nature to the SRC because it consists of a sequence or cascade of states that a person traverses during a sexual experience. I think this is equally true for males and females. 
Where I see differences is in the relative importance or weighting that males and females associate with the various factors that play into the SRC. That is, some factors seem to be more important for women than for men, or for men than for women, in driving transitions between the SRC states. These differences are worth exploring. To start, let's consider the progression of states that occur in the course of passing through the SRC. First, when a person isn't involved in a sexual experience, they can be thought of as being in a sexual resting state. While in such a state, arousal and its physical signs are low or absent. Second, when a person becomes potentially interested in a sexual opportunity that presents itself, they become receptive to those sexual possibilities, and they focus on them. In effect, they become ready to receive and respond to cues that might further the opportunity. Those cues can be thought of as sexual stimuli. The fragrance of a perfume, the playing of a favorite song, an alluring caress, or many other things. Third, as sexual stimuli are received, the person evaluates them in the sense of emotionally and cognitively gauging how enticing they are. Enticing stimuli build arousal, which is reflected in physiological changes, such as a racing heart or dilated pupils. For both males and females, there is a threshold that arousal builds toward. The evaluation state is basically a branch point that leads into the final phases of the response cycle. Fourth, the evaluation process is followed by a resolution process that determines how the rest of the sexual experience plays out. If the threshold is attained, the person may, but need not, experience orgasm, with its muscular contractions, loss of motor control, and waves of bliss. Conversely, if the threshold is not exceeded, arousal may simply decay over time, effectively quenching the physical experience of sex. And fifth, the SRC culminates with another evaluation phase, during which a person assesses the quality of their experience. An enjoyable experience leads to satisfaction that will be remembered, and which may facilitate or encourage similar experiences in the future. A less than satisfactory experience will likewise be remembered, but that memory may well discourage or even result in an aversion to repetitions of the experience. Once this evaluation is complete, the person returns to the sexual resting state, awaiting the next sexual opportunity. As I just described, both males and females pass through the same basic steps of the response cycle in the same order. However, the detailed experience of each step can vary significantly between males and females. While one can't make overly sweeping generalizations, there are some differences that most people would agree with. First, there are differences in degree of steady state or background sexual receptiveness, as well as in what factors draw sexual focus. Many men are consistently receptive to sexual opportunities, perhaps more so and with less discrimination, than are women. Note, though, that it's definitely not true that women aren't really interested in sex. Also, men respond strongly to overtly sexual visual stimuli, while women are often more attuned to appearance, perceived partner social skills, personality traits such as caring and kindness, and other emotional or social traits of a partner. Also, women's evaluation of a sexual opportunity, in Step 3, is often keenly sensitive to mental or emotional factors, such as current mental state, for example distraction, depression, or unhappiness, whereas males seem generally at least somewhat less sensitive to such factors. Once sufficient sexual stimuli are present, it's less likely that a male will be derailed by mental or emotional factors. And as another difference, males and females experience orgasm differently. 
While both males and females can be anorgasmic, or not likely to experience orgasm, at times, most males usually experience at most one orgasm, which accompanies and is ended by ejaculation. Many women are capable of repeated orgasms, as are some men. Such repetition is strongly dependent on elusive factors such as both partners' mental and emotional states, the circumstances in which the sex occurs, and the effectiveness of stimulation. There are many other fascinating similarities and differences in how the SRC plays out for males and for females. Sadly, there is no time or room to do that further exploration here. I hope I have convincingly argued that understanding how sex really works can pay rich dividends, and that it's all too easy to be tripped up by the misinformation that is pervasive. My suggestion is that those who are interested in becoming better informed do so by seeking help from sexologists, sex coaches, or other qualified professionals, and by joining supportive sex-positive communities. You won't regret it. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group for posts and discussion, and the Two Open Doors meetup group for events. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors. <laughs>